This is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rally red, all the liberty white. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas, and we don't play. So now I guess it's only one thing to say, baby. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold, and I am here with my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And John, tell us all about your trip to Nashville during the 2019 NFL Draft. Well, Nashville definitely put on a show. Unfortunately, I got sick as a dog the entire time. Really? Really. Yeah, that kind of put a damper on it. Um, I got a sinus infection, so I couldn't go downtown for most of it. But I mean, still got to walk in, take it, walk around, take it all in. And I give them credit. If they do it again, I'll definitely go back. Wow. So you didn't get to do it at all? Not, nothing during the picks. Wow. So we did a little bit of the NFL experience, but no, I ended up getting getting pretty sick. So it kind of sucked. Jeez, dude. So I'm glad you actually didn't. I'm glad you actually didn't come because I would have felt bad. Yeah, that would have been awful. Um, all right. Well, I'm sorry that you got sick. I'm glad you're feeling better now, at least. Yeah, you know, just a lot of uh, medicine to get through this hour podcast, I hope, tonight. Um, we're on Zencaster, so I think we actually got a 45-minute limit. So we're going to have to talk fast because we got a lot to get over before, you know, this thing starts to yep. screw up because you had to go to Seattle. All right. Well, Yes, and that's where I'm recording from. But the good thing is, John, and I didn't tell you about this, the only reason we had the issues last time is because I was mixing it through Zencaster on one channel. But now that we have two different audio tracks that are going to be edited by Preston, oh, for real? we have no time limit. Okay. Yep. So, but with that being said, there's no reason to bullshit around. Um, so, John, the NFL draft just happened. Texans added. Uh, six new players and then 20 new undrafteds. Uh, we'll get to the undrafted guys, but let's get to first round and let's get to the, your opinion on the drama and everything that happened that caused everybody to freak out over our first round pick uh, with the Eagles hopping in front of us for Andre Dillard. Um, what was your mindset going in as far as what was happening and what were your thoughts on the pick Titus Howard? Well, to tell you the truth, I thought – for sure in my head that it would be going after Howard in the second round. I did not foresee us going after him in the first round. So I was a little bit shocked. I mean, I, my first tweet was like, wait, what? Why? Um, Howard is actually a fantastic prospect. I mean, if you look at the scouting report on him, of the tackles taken in this year's draft, he has the potential to be the best. Dillard was the most pro-ready. Um the guy out of Florida that I'm kind of blanking on his name right now, because of course I am. He was a right tackle only where Howard could play left tackle, right tackle. 
He can run block and he can pass block. He's just very, very raw. So I was certain, especially based on all the, uh, the rumors that had came out of Houston, that we would go after Howard. It would just be in the second round. Like I thought that we were all going to be up in arms because we wasted a, a second round pick on him. And then to see that he went in the first, I, I was actually, I was a little shocked. I was like, why didn't we trade back? Why didn't, I mean, what, what just happened here? So yeah. that was my initial impression. Okay. Now that's your initial impression. And that was all of Texans Twitter's initial impression. A couple of days have gone by. We we're able to reflect. It's been exactly four days. What are your thoughts now? Now it's growing on me more and more. I'm still of the opinion that, yeah, he's probably going to be the best tackle in the draft. We, One of my concerns about Brian Gain, and it's also because we forget that he's also a new GM. He's still a scout. So I actually trust him on talent. I don't think, though, he has the, uh, what is it, the... Um, What's the word I'm looking for here? The, I usually can tell you, but I can't. The uh, the finesse that comes with the GM role. Not finesse. Um, making those shrewd moves. Knowing how to read other GMs and so forth. Okay. I don't know. I think that has to come with practice. I think when a GM first starts out, um, we're lo- hoping that we have a solid talent evaluator and a solid contract negotiator whereas the the ability to trade back and forth in the draft like the john schneiders and even the bill belichicks that comes with practice and growth in the position and he's just not there yet so he was locked on howard um obviously he was locked on howard i don't even think that he was after dillard at all i think that they thought that dillard would be long gone and he just wasn't their guy. And so he wanted Howard and he was just going to stay because he was confident that he could get Howard where he was going to get him. And he wasn't going to risk moving back and losing his guy. Okay. <clears throat> so fair. Um, I think that you're spot on on a lot of it. I think one, here's the way that the NFL draft works. When Baltimore received a phone call from Philadelphia, Philadelphia said, hey, we'll give you the fourth round pick. And what else? I think it was the sixth um to take your spot baltimore said okay hold on let us talk through it i'll call you back they picked up they called the texans hey brian uh we just got a trade offer we're getting a a fourth and a six back do you guys want to top that trade brian Gaines said i'm not giving up a third to move up one spot when i have another tackle that i think is just as good maybe a higher potential um, not a right away starter. Maybe he'll take some more time to develop than we would like, but I'm not giving up a third round pick to do so. So you guys go ahead and execute that trade. There was no reason for Baltimore not to call the Texans because this is what you do when it comes to value. Um, you're not going to just take the first offer. It's just like anything else. When you go buy a car, when you're buying your house, whatever it is, there's multiple offers on the board. Uh, so I believe that the Ravens then called us and, and we just said, we're not giving up anymore. We, we need all the picks we, we have. We're not giving up anything next year because we want to continue to accumulate draft picks. And um, 
they said, go ahead. And so Philly traded up, got Andre Dillard. We got Titus Howard. Um, do you think that that's how it went, John? Hey, that makes sense as much sense as anything else to me. Um, I think that they. Yeah, put, I, I just don't. I, I think yeah, that just, they I'm put trying. more value on Howard and a draft pick than Dillard. Right, and for everybody that's like, "Oh my God, they didn't trade up to get Dillard." Look, like, why would they have done that to move up one spot, especially when we don't know what their board looked like? For all we know, Titus Howard may have been equal to Dillard on their draft board. One of the things that everybody has to keep in mind when it comes to everything that you read from draft analysts and the draft experts on Twitter and all the websites is, remember, that's one set of eyes scouting 200 and something players, okay? The Texans employ 30 or more scouts throughout the year. That's 30 different sets of eyes to build their big board. These draft analysts, as you can see, got a lot wrong based on value of where these players should go. There were a ton of players that people had in the third and second round that went in the first. It's just the way the draft goes. And I'm going to trust the 30 sets of eyes over the guys who basically have jobs January through April and then don't have a job until next January and April. So, well, I mean, here's the best way to look at it. Look back at the beginning of your fantasy football season. Everybody does this. You go online and you go rate your team versus the rest of your league. You want to see how you did right at the beginning. of the. First off, you get a higher ranking based on how closely you matched whatever expert you're looking up against, how closely you matched his board. So if he was the one that was drafting, if you drafted just like him, he would have given you an A. Um, That's the same for all these guys that we all listen to and we all get their feedback and they're all smart. Like this is nothing against any of them, but they're going to grade based on what they would have done. Not necessarily on what was actually, what actually took place. And then just think about who wins your fantasy football league every year. The guy that gets the C on his draft, the guy that auto drafted or sometimes the guy that auto drafted, but uh, the guys that are usually the end up having the best league, best team in the league have C's or D's. Because they took their risk. They went out on guys that they believed in and they saw something else. And I mean, that's just part of it. Now, are they probably going to get something wrong? Yes. Every single GM gets something wrong. That That's just the nature of it. You look at every team, you look back at every draft, every single GM misses on their picks. Every team has first round picks. That's why it was so remarkable when Rick Smith went, what was it, seven years straight where every first-round pick actually played? Yep. Granted, if you look at that time, that same stretch, how many second-rounders, how many third-rounders, how many fourth-rounders, how many fifth-rounders did he draft? A lot. That we a lot. actually kept and got meaningful contributions out of. There was a good article the other day that showed that, like, basically second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh Basically, it was like 32% made it to a second contract. And that was incredibly low. So he was great at the first round, nothing after that. Where if we had just switched that, we would look... We'd be in a better spot. We honestly would. I mean, I hate to say it, we wouldn't have our superstars, but the team would be a better quality team. Yeah. No, I agree, John. I agree. Look, and I know you guys are not happy right now. I get it, right? Like everybody built up and put in your mind that Andre Dillard 
and Jawan Taylor were the best tackles in this draft. And I totally understand why you're frustrated. And I get that you guys are probably upset right now, wondering why you're getting the homerism from us, which you don't ever get. We're always raw and keep it real. But when it comes to these drafts, you just don't know how these players are going to be for a couple of years. So there's no way for us to say that this is the right pick or the wrong pick. But I'll tell you what, there's a reason why he had more team visits than any other tackle in the draft. Okay. Mike Lombardi, who is close in all NFL circles, said this. Titus Howard, who the Texans took at number 23, was one of the most popular and beloved offensive linemen in this draft. He might not have been in anyone's first round mock, but every team in the NFL had him high on their board. He took over 20 visits to NFL cities and worked out for most NFL offensive line coaches. I love this pick. Okay. That should tell you something. When a team is flying him out, multiple teams are flying him out, and he's the most traveled tackle in the draft. There's a reason for that. So let's wait and see how this goes. Is he a developmental project? Ah, maybe. Maybe he's not. But let me ask you this. Is he better than anything we had at tackle left last year? John? Potentially. There's a good shot that he is, right? He's got the size. He's got the athletic skills. I mean, we didn't have a very high-performing tackles last year. There's a good chance that he's going to be one, the best or you know, better than everybody else. So I'm not worried about this pick. They addressed the need without reaching. Just because he was in the second or third round by most other draft analysts doesn't mean that's where his value actually lies. And I promise you this, based on what we saw in the second round, there was no way he was going to be there in the second round for us. No, there really wasn't. The only way we were going to get him is if we maybe traded back a couple of picks in the first round. And we just were not, we, it just wasn't there. Um, that's just the simple fact. It just wasn't there. They identified this guy as their, as their target. Um, the, only other opinion, well, not the only, I've, there's a lot of opinions that I've read on it, but one that I did kind of agree on is it was kind of funny that the Eagles are going to have a year for Dillard to sit. Dillard is more day one ready to go than Howard. Howard, potentially, if you look at our depth chart, really doesn't have a year to sit. So Howard may be the better player in the long run i'm just i do question the fit just a little bit sure and and there's a lot to question we don't know right there's there's a lot of things we don't know the only question i have and i think this is a question that everybody should have is the fact that we're trusting mike devlin to develop another offensive lineman when he has shown that he cannot do that he hasn't developed nick martin he hasn't developed julian davenport we've had plug and plays at both guard spots he didn't develop martinez rankin we don't know what is going to happen, but we addressed a need without reaching and we didn't lose any draft capital in doing so. All these draft grades that are being assigned that are showing that we got a D an F a B a C, whatever. It doesn't matter because none of them know they're all going based off of what they scouted. So if they didn't have these players draft or slotted value wise in certain rounds that we picked them in, Guess what the grade's going to be, dude? We should have all known what these grades were going to be. It is what it is. But guess what? Bill Belichick don't worry about a freaking draft grade from fucking Bleacher Report. It doesn't matter. 
we got to see these players play. And we have to hope that Mike Devlin can finally, 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 finally get somebody to play tackle and play it well. And hopefully Titus Howard is that. He's got the size. He's got the, he's got the weight. He's got the height. He's got the athletic skill. Let's wait and see what happens, I guess, is, is my final thought on Titus Howard. Anything else you want to do on this one? No, I'm, I'm good. I think we've kind of beat this horse to death. I mean, it just is what it is. This is who our player is. Like, we're not trying to be homers here. I follow sports to be happy. Um, the results of the games honestly don't leave me as happy as I'd like to be. <laughs> uh, we we kind of know this as being Texans fans. So I'm going to always try and look and find the positive and try and figure out what they're thinking. And I mean, at this point, Brian Gain has done very little. He hasn't done anything one way or the next to say we should trust him a hundred percent to say that, Oh, he's an idiot. I can't believe he's ruining our future. We know that but John, our, what, what he did do last year was get us players that can play without a first or second round pick. That's true. We got starters without a first or second. Right. That's what I'm saying. So if anything, what we do have to go off of is that we should trust what his evaluation actually is until proven otherwise. That's fair enough. All right. Let's get to the second round pick. Our first one, uh, Lonnie Johnson, cornerback out of Kentucky. Um, I, this was like my fourth favorite corner in the, in the draft. I'm not a scout, so I don't know for sure. I like Jojoine Williams a lot. He ended up going to Patriots. Of course he did. Um, but about the same height and skill, uh, uh, what I was looking for, Jojoine and Lonnie, they're both like 6'2", 213. I think uh, Jojoine's 210. Uh, man, uh, man coverage corners that can press, very physical. Um, I like this pick. There's two reasons why I like this pick. One reason I like this pick is because it addresses a need in a, and we didn't reach. Secondly, uh, we're I'm friends with his agent now, and um, we were texting all through the draft. So this is another in for us, which is great. He's also the agent of Javier Edwards, who we all know now was signed as an undrafted free agent by the Houston Texans. Um, that was the first news I broke, John. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. I'm on, I'm on Battle Red blog. It's pretty pretty cool. I got a text today, like with a screenshot showing, like per source, young Ari. I thought that was pretty cool. Nice, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was. I thought that was cool. Little, <laughs> little, little moment. I don't know. I found it cool. I hope Move, you guys find it cool. moving up but in the world. You got to start somewhere, right? And yeah. look, uh, if this corner ends up being anything, that's another guy that we can talk to on on y'all's favorite Texans podcast, right? And we also have a defensive tackle that we can talk to too. So. Um, I like this pick a lot, John. He does exactly what we're looking to do. Um, he's not the fastest, so his recovery speed is the issue. So if he gets beat in, in press, uh, it's going to be a Kareem Jackson situation. Uh, but let's hope that that's not the case, and let's hope that he can learn to recover or not put himself in that position. Um, but we address a need that we've had, um, and I actually like the other corner too when we get there. So – uh, what are your thoughts on Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky? Yeah, this is this kind of exposed um, Ryan Gaines' draft philosophy. So both Howard and uh, Johnson both fit the physical benchmarks. Um, Johnson wasn't even QB or wasn't even cornerback one at the University of Kentucky. He's still raw as well. However, there were several scouts out there. Um, that said that he's got the highest ceiling of any cornerback in the draft. That would not surprise them 
if three or four years from now we say that he was the top cornerback taking in this draft. And, you know, I'm I'm happy with it. So our first two picks, we we went off guys that again, they just check all the boxes. They may not have had the production, but they check all the boxes. Then our next two picks are guys that just had crazy amount of production, but yeah, they're not quite there physically. So no. Well, real quick, before we get to those, I mean, we kind of knew, I mean, John, we were talking about it last year, or I've been talking about it since we started a podcast. If you remember correctly, we need corners that can play man and compress. Everything we get beat by was underneath at all for the last two years. Everything was underneath. If we have man corners that can press and knock people off, knock wide receivers off their routes, we can, we'll, we'll be somewhere. And if we have a pass rush, the best thing that you can do when you have corners that can do that and delay the route at the same time while getting at the quarterback, that's a recipe for success on, on defense. And I think that's one of our biggest areas that we've lacked. Um, so I think having Lonnie Johnson is going to be good, but we knew this is where we were going in free agency when we signed Bradley Roby. Yeah, no. Bradley Roby is the same exact corner. Um, so now we have three corners that can do that, and they're not all on one-year contracts which is another big part of this. So I just wanted to point that out, but I, I like the pick. Um, let's get to the next one. Cause this is uh, the next one is Max Sharping. Uh, another offensive tackle. He was out of Northern Illinois. Everybody's going after gains about small school tackles. Um, I don't know much about him. I know that he was very, very, very productive in college, played a ton of snaps. I think over 839 snaps um, last year. John, if we hit on one tackle, is that a win? Oh, definitely. And if we hit on two, it, that's a superb win, correct? If we hit on two, then we're going to have an extra player that we can trade or we actually have depth. So, I mean, Sharping, by every single pro, like, what is it, Pro Fantasy Fo- Focus, um, ESPN, anybody that has come up with any sort of metric at this point, on how to grade offensive linemen, Sharping was right there up at the top. Every single time. He's a little small. He may be, he's another one of those players that could potentially end up being a guard, but he's played more snaps at tackle than just about any other player in college football. So I doubt very much that, I doubt that they would move him. And I think that he's, he's one of those guys that it's like I said, they went off first off physical benchmarks, uh, guys going after guys that they can't coach anything to because you can't coach speed. You can't coach length. You can't coach size. And now they're going after guys and including, um, with sharpening and a lot of our, our undrafted free agents, guys that just produced. Yeah. I think the one thing that I watched on tape when I saw this pick and then when I read Dane Brugler's scouting report, um, his feet are very slow, which makes me think that there's a chance that he does move to guard. Um, maybe they groom him because Fulton's on, I think this is the last year of Fulton's contract. So if we thought, if we think about it, if we were able to go, um, Titus Howard, Rankins, Martin, Sharping, Henderson, or Khalil, whatever, however that tackle spot works out, undrafted guy. I'm not sure. But that would give us four offensive linemen to build around. Yeah. Now he And he really has slow feet, John. 
I mean, they're, they're like stones. Like we used to make fun of Matt Schaub. Like this guy makes Matt Schaub look like a Ferrari. Yeah, well, he's also a lot bigger than Matt Schaub. And yeah, it's very, the long-term goal could end up being hit with Davenport and Howard as the tackles. Not sure which side, Rankin and Sharping as the guards. I mean, but we'll see. That's part of the reason why they drafted guys with flexibility because they want to see how these pieces are going to fit. They want a young offensive line that they can that they can build and groom together. I think that one of the things we have to keep in mind and part of the reason why Bill O'Brien and Devlin have had not necessarily well, – they haven't developed an offensive line because they came from Tom Brady where you didn't develop offensive lines. He made – he made tackles look good because he had the three step and the ball was always out. It is a different one. Well, they also have Dante Skarnicki. Yeah. Well, part of it, part of it was scheme. Part of it's scheme. Yes, yes. Um, and part of it, a huge part of it is the quarterback. Whereas with Deshaun, you've got to go with more athletic. Like with Tom Brady, you really wanted to solidify the interior of your line. The tackles were always going to get made look better by him. With with Watson, we're going to need more athletic tackles. We're going to need more athletic guards, not necessarily the same sort of size, because if somebody tries to rush up the middle on Deshaun, he's just going to spin, spin away and do his little Houdini act. Where if somebody tries to come around from the tackle and they're able to collapse from behind them, that's where we always saw him get get hit yeah yeah look uh, I think another thing that we need to talk about when it comes to the offensive line is everybody should have known coming into the season that there is a very slim chance that this offensive line is going to go from 31 or 32 to 10 okay it's it's not something you just do over one off season the Colts it took them freaking four years to do a lot of times it takes two or three off seasons to get this going but they're trying and they're doing everything they can to fix the offensive line. So like, this is going to be a, uh, this is going to take time. We're going to have to wait. We're going to have to see how this goes, but they're doing what they can by trying to get the pieces in place to be able to do it. And if they can hit on one or two, literally if they can hit on one, we're in a better spot, but if somehow they can get above average production out of the second guy, we're in such a better spot at that point, the whole line starts to work a little bit better. So um, and it's also going to come down to health, which we all know. But um, I just think that we need to reel in our expectations on what this offensive line can look like. Like it, it's just not a snap of the finger. It's not Thanos. So, um, all right, let's get to the uh, annual uh, overhyped tight end pick that we're all going to say reminds us of Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski. I'm not going to lie. I am kind of excited about this guy. <laughs> because of everything that he has done outside of football <laughs> and then also in football for one or two years. I mean, this guy's a freak athlete. I mean, a freak. I'm water polo, basketball, baseball, all the sports, you name it, he played it. Um, and he's freaking ripped like no other. I mean, the guy is, I mean, he's a, he's a freaking stud. Um, I like this pick, John. I know it's a developmental pick. I know that there's a good chance we don't, first of all, we don't target our tight end, so it doesn't really matter. But like, I, we have been saying for how long, John, that if we could just get a, a above average to good tight end, we're going to go places. And 
look, we have three young ones now in Aikens, Thomas, and, and Waring. If we could get one of those guys, and those other two, Aikens and, and Thomas, have shown flashes last year. If we could, if we could get hit on one and then be a stud, dude. God, am I right? Right. I mean, wearing, he looks like he might be something special. He's another. He's another one of those high, crazy high ceilings. I mean, just crazy high ceiling. Like he athletically matches up with Kelsey. Um, that doesn't mean he's going to be Kelsey, but that's the type of athlete that he is. Now, hopefully, I mean, he's only been playing football for just a couple of years. Like he walked onto his high school team, produced enough tape in in one season to get to get an offer. Um, and then he ended up, I think, his senior year leading uh, San Diego State in, in receptions. So the kids come very far, very fast. Again, we need to kind of moderate our expectations with him. But he has the potential to be a wide tight end that can go out and catch. Jordan Thomas, if he can do the same thing, if he can be a wide tight end that goes out and catch, and they can both flex out to a move. So go from inline to a move. That just gives, that's probably Bill O'Brien's wet dreams right there. Two tight, end, two tight ends they can do to flex out into both both tight end spots that we really, really play. We don't really play much of the Z tight end. So, I mean, that, yeah. The flexibility that that gives our offense and the way we can disguise things, and if we can get decent run blocking out of either one of them, that just really changes what the offense would look like. Yeah, and on top of that, we've also talked in, in the past about how if we can have blocking tight ends, potentially a fullback, which we'll get to later, that could block, that's also going to alleviate a lot of pressure because a lot of the pressure was coming from the side that Ryan Griffin and Jordan Thomas or Jordan Akins was blocking on last year uh, with the pressure that Deshaun was facing. Um, if we can just get better in that area, our pass blocking is going to get better too. And this guy's got the size to be a blocker. Um, he did okay at blocking in college. Now, also his talent that he went against wasn't the highest of high, but um, still there's potential there. So I, I really like this pick too. I, I know that we sound like Homer picks, but like they went best player available throughout the entire draft. And I mean, Dane Brugler loves this, this draft pick and there's Dane and then there's Lance and then the other ones. Yeah, whatever. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, this is going to be something that two or three years from now we'll have to look back on and, and see, but. And we're not going to get into, you know, which tight ends are going to make the, the roster. I wouldn't be surprised if all four make the roster, too, or four of them make the roster, and Ryan Griffin doesn't get um, cut, which he's going to get cut anyways. But, um, all right, John, let's get to our fifth-round pick. Defensive end out of Texas. I'm sure a ton of people are excited about this pick. Charles Omenahu. Omenahu? Omenahu. Anyways, that guy. Uh, productive defensive end at Texas um, also happens to be represented by Deshaun Watson's agent, David Mugaletta. Um, I like this pick, John. Like this is, this is something we needed. Um, his favorite high school and college football player were, or was, and still is Jadavian Clowney. Um, 
had had some issues on tape last year. Uh, there were times where he was super productive. There were times where he over pursued. Uh, it's a fifth round pick. I don't really know like what we're what we're expecting, but I think best player available was where we went with this draft, with this pick. And we needed another defensive end opposite of JJ. I know we have Blackson and uh, Brandon Dunn and uh, Joel Heath, but I think nothing wrong with going best player available when it comes to defensive end. Yeah, and defensive end from from UT, so automatically he's going to be a fan favorite. He should actually get on the field this year, and he should contribute this year. He's, for all you people that, for everyone that kind of got their their panties in a bunch because we didn't have a, a knockout score by Pro Fantasy Football Focus, the back end of our draft is where it flipped. So our first couple of picks, they didn't like. The last couple of picks we had, they loved. So according to their to their boards, he was one of the best values in the draft. Again, very productive. He'll probably be, he can play a little bit more on the interior than he did than than um, than merciless or Duke Edgefor. So he does play a, a different role, even though he has a defensive end. So he's going to fit in, and he's going to fit it into that rotation, and he should be productive. Yep. Nope. I like it. I, I think it's I think it's going to work out for what we're looking for, and if not, I mean we have other guys that could play. So, um, all right, let's get to our sixth round pick, cornerback out of Central Michigan, Xavier Xavier Crawford, uh, another man press corner uh, who was actually extremely fast, a uh, little small, probably our, our future slot if Aaron Colvin doesn't work out. He's 5'11", 187. Uh, which is what your typical slot corner is as far as size. Um, he was the best available player at that time based on who was available and the needs that we have. Um, he makes quick cuts, backpedals well, um, and knows how to diagnose routes. So, um, I mean, this is something that we're going to have to wait and see. I, I, if I, I if I had to guess that there was a corner that we fall in love with in preseason OTA and training camp, Something tells me this will be the guy. Uh, it'll be like the beginning of AJ Bouye. Now, whether it ends up finishing as AJ Bouye, honestly, I don't know. But um, I mean, when you get to the sixth and seventh round, there at that point, it's a true crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to get. You're just going based off of what you saw. Um, but like I said, it addresses the need. Yeah, he's another one of those values from pro fantasy football. Um or pro football focus or whatever the hell I'm going to call it now. I'm just going to rename it. Uh, He's again, he doesn't have the physical attributes, the benchmarks that the Texans were looking for in a cornerback, but he does have production. He was a very, very solid, very solid corner at central Michigan. He's one of those guys that gets by on, instincts because he doesn't have quite the speed or the size to make up for it if he's wrong so it'll be really interesting to watch him during during the preseason if he's able to really john isn't he wasn't he a 4-3 guy i'm sorry isn't he a 4-3 guy and his speed yeah um i think he had good straight line but it was his cone speed that Mm, okay that struggled okay but short arm, he was short arms and a little undersized. Scrappy though. Scrappy. 
if he ran a four three, I mean, I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you need somebody to cover Ty. Yeah, I definitely take it. Um, scouting report I read said that he was a little slow. I don't have his actual speeds. Shoot, I'll pull it up while you keep talking. Okay, but no, he's another one of those that again. Regardless, he didn't have all the attributes that you look for. However, he de- did have the production. So we like him. Hopefully he works out. Again, anything in the later half of the draft, they're kind of dart throws, and you hope that they work out. Good teams, though, don't really keep a lot of fifth and sixth and seventh round players on their on their roster. No, but this team needs corners so bad that I, w- I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the team. Yeah. I mean, I hope he does. I hope he comes out and overperform. I hope he performs like. I hope he performs like a third rounder. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're all hoping for. Yeah, it's what we want. Um, I'm almost there. Let me see. All right, here he is, Dane Brugler. Uh, Forty yard was actually yeah four three seven. Twenty yard two point five seven. 10 yard 1.62. I don't see anything about his cone drill. Um, no broad shuttle or three cone, uh, no jump shuttle or three cone, uh, summary one year starter at central central Michigan. Uh, he was the opposite corner for Sean Bunting who went the second round. Uh, Crawford played nickel and outside cornerback at Oregon state before transferring to the Chippewas where he was the team's right cornerback opposite Sean Bunting. He made an immediate impression with the team's best 13 passes defense leading the MAC with 1.2 passes defended per game. Crawford is light on his feet and balanced from press to shadow routes up and down the field. He competes with the ball in the air, but there are times he wilts versus size. Overall, Crawford can be posted up, and his lack of size, strength, and length are problematic, but he is an intelligent player with man coverage athleticism, projecting as a bottom-of-the-roster option, So, which is what you're going to get uh, out of the sixth round. Hey, he'll be better than Sharice Wright. He will be better than Sharice Wright. I would agree with that. All right, uh, John, let's go to our final pick of the 2019 NFL Draft. Fullback out of Texas A&M, Colin Gillespie. Uh, Katie Boy grew up in Houston, born and raised in Houston. Uh, he's the fullback that we've been talking about for the last couple weeks. I say weeks, last couple months. Uh, guy who can catch, guy who can run, guy who can block. Um I don't think that we need to read too much into this in the sense of like meaning that we're going to have a fullback. I don't know yet. Nobody knows. Um, There's a good chance that we don't have a fullback and that they just saw him there as value. And maybe they want to try something new with him. Uh, That's kind of what you do in the seventh round. If he sticks fantastic. If he doesn't, then it kind of is what it is. Yeah. I have no real opinion on him. He's a, he's the 12 from Texas A&M. Means a He's lot. a fullback. He's a fullback. I mean, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, he was a great special teamer. I, yeah, he was an ace on special team. He's a converted linebacker. So he went from linebacker to fullback. We actually used a draft pick on a fullback instead of signing him as a, as a free agent. So that probably means that they want to keep him no matter what. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but it's still a full box, so I really don't have any opinion on yeah. him yet. There's nothing you can say. We'll really. see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm more honestly, though, I am more disappointed than anything that we did not draft a running back. 
Well, no matter. I know. I know Lamar Miller is only twenty eight, but I am absolutely shocked that we did not draft a running back. Well, let's get into that in a minute. Let's do a quick recap on the draft. So overall, John, what are your thoughts on the two thousand nineteen NFL draft class for the Houston Texans? Uh, for the most part, I like the players. Um, I'm okay with it. You, I, I hate the idea of giving a grade because you can't give a grade until two years from now because they're all they're all wrong. Yep. There's no reason that we should be wanting to burn down an RG. There's no reason that we should be run, wanting to run Brian Gain out of town based on the, just the draft. So I will take that as a success. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much spot on. I mean, there's nothing we can say. We, we'd like to say that this is a hit or this is a miss. If, if it was that surefire of a thing, then... Um, everybody could be a GM, but that's just not the way the NFL draft works. Yeah. I mean, remember these guys that are out there giving the grades, they would drop everything if an NFL team called home and said, Hey, will you come work for me? And keep in mind that has only happened once. And that's Mike Mayock. And I'm not sure how you guys liked their draft. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the draft. It is what it is. Like, we won't know. Um, we address needs. We got players that look like they could play. They were productive in, in school. Small school, big school, doesn't matter. Um, a lot of times, players make it out of small schools, too. It's not You don't have to draft from Alabama to get a starting tackle. Um, we'll see how this goes. I, I mean, did they not draft a running back? Yeah, there were a couple that I would have liked for them to take. Um, Miles Sanders would have been good. Um, David Montgomery would have been good. There's a lot of, there's a lot of running backs that, that would have worked out for us, but it just wasn't in the cards. They went BPA and I, I told everybody that they were going to do that from the beginning of the time that we started the talk draft. Um, it, that's the best way to build quality depth and get players on your team. And that's what they did. And that's what they're looking to do. So I don't think there's any reason to be frustrated yet. Let's wait and see how the season goes. If in the first game, uh, Titus Howard's getting blown up and it looks all like last year, then, you know what, then we have to have a conversation, but until then, let's wait and see what happens. Is kind of my thought after the first game. I mean, if he gets really blown, one game, I mean, if he gets blown like it was last year, <laughs> I mean, if it's just as bad, I think that it's fair for us to have a little rant. No, not, not even after the first game, if he gets blown, like, even if he gets blown, if it's the first game, Remember how bad Dwayne Brown was his first year? Yeah, he wasn't that bad, though. Oh, he was bad. Go rewatch some of those games. He was really bad. I'm in Seattle right now. I was talking to a customer about Dwayne Brown earlier, and he was telling me how much he loves Dwayne Brown. I was like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. too. Uh, All right, let's get into the undrafted. So I think I like this undrafted class. Um. Lots of productive players. It was like they went pure off of pure production. Did we end up signing Emmanuel Hall? I don't see it on the list I'm on, and I could have sworn I saw that there was that we did, but I never saw that. But okay, maybe I was just reading too fast. I think maybe he went to the Lions. I don't know. Either way, uh, unofficial list so far: Ohio State wide receiver Johnny Dixon, Oklahoma State wide receiver Tyron Johnson. Uh, NC State, Stephen Lewis, uh, Missouri running back, Demaria Crockett, Michigan running back, Karan Higdon, uh, Ohio State offensive guard, Michael Pridgen, Rhodes Rhodes College center, DJ Coker, Colorado defensive tackle, Javier Edwards, let's go, 
Uh, Baylor defensive tackle Ira Lewis. Clemson defensive tackle Albert Huggins Jr., who could be a player. Uh, Missouri nose tackle Walter Palmore. Alabama defensive end Johnny White or Johnny Dwight. Georgia State inside linebacker Chase Middleton. Colorado linebacker Drew Lewis. Akron outside linebacker defensive end Jamal Davis. Maryland outside linebacker Jesse Anabonum. North Alabama safety Chris Johnson. NC State safety Dexter uh, Wright. Appalachian State safety just or Austin X Ford. Um, the only two or the only three that I'm excited about are Javier, and that's just because we know him and we talk to him. Um, and then the two running backs because we need another running back to make this team. Um, I like Karan Higdon and the film that I saw of him. He looks explosive. He looks like a one cut back. Um, doesn't look like he'll 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 blaze you with the speed, but looks like a productive player. And so does running back uh, Demaria Crockett based on the videos that I've watched. Now I'm not familiar with them. I didn't watch them last year, so I don't know a ton. But John, what are your thoughts on the running backs? Crockett's a fun player. He may be something. But at the same time, the guys that we brought in last year as undrafted running backs, when you looked at them on tape in college, they were fun players. So yeah. I really don't know. My hopes aren't that high. Neither neither Crockett or Hudgens um, really blow you away if you watch the game. Neither one of them just really pop out. Even though, how do you say his name? Karan Hudgens? Uh, Hutchkins, Karan no, Higdon, Higdon. Sorry, even though Higdon got some shout outs on Twitter when we picked him up, that he may automatic already be the best player running back on our on our depth chart. So that's interesting. I mean, you can you can always find running backs somewhere, and you have to look take a look at a lot of the the running backs that do produce in the NFL. A lot of them you you never heard of them before. So it's entirely possible. Again, the guys that we brought in from last year, from the one guy from Washington, the other guy from Toledo, honestly to me, and I can't even think of their names now, but they looked better on tape, and I remember being more impressed with them than these two. However, these two played higher competition, and I think that there is definitely a role for Crockett. Like He could probably be a satellite back, I don't really know what they're going to do with Higdon. Um, maybe we'll see. Um, I could be wrong, but again, we'll see. Well, Higdon got the most guaranteed money out of all the uh, undrafted rookie contracts. So um, they must be high on him. Uh, and I think that that's why they didn't draft a running back. Um, I think they're in the spot now where they feel like they don't need to pay running backs. I think that they're, they're just going to keep drafting and drafting and drafting until they hit on one. It's kind of like a quarterback, except we never drafted a quarterback outside of Tom Savage or whatever. Um, yeah, dude. I, I mean, the undrafted class, like if we think that the draft is a crapshoot, like the undrafted classes, I mean, good luck. You never know. Um, but just know that there's a player or two every year that are undrafted that end up carving them out, carving out a role on a team, and then they end up being – being really freaking good. And we've seen it here twice with AJ Bouye and Arian Foster. So, um, you know, every year there's a running back that is compared to Arian Foster in, in the undrafted class. Um, I guess we're a bit spoiled. I don't know if there will be. <laughs> Just remember that that's the best running back in franchise history. So 
Um, chances are slim, but if we can get a productive back that isn't Lamar Miller or uh, Deontay Foreman, I'll take it, to be honest with you. I'm not asking for yeah, and I mean, And to tell you the truth, if uh, Deontay Foreman or Lamar Miller are just productive, then it doesn't matter. Right. I'm just, I hate going into the season with Foreman being our number two back without having somebody behind him that we know they can carry the ball. Because Foreman did not look great last year when he came back. And it is incredibly hard to come back from an Achilles. Now, I hope that Foreman is the exception to the rule. I hope that that's how it just is going forward, that it is possible to come back. But I'm scared and I'm kind of afraid that they've left that as a thin spot. Yeah. I mean, there's only time will tell. Um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, if the offensive line is better, then the chances that Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman are better are, are pretty high. I mean, Lamar Miller wasn't bad last year. It was just the fact that... Um, no, he was an all-pro. I mean, he was, right. he was fine. <laughs> there's no other way to put it. He was fine. I mean, it's hard it's to just, see when the line is awful. Yeah. And Lamar Miller is never and has not ever shown himself to be the guy that's going to take over and win a game for you. He's a nice contributing, nice contributing piece. And it's not, and I'm not even one of those guys that is trying to run him out of town. I've just, he's always better as complimentary. And even last year, which I mean is arguably his best year because he was an all pro, he would have been better served with another running back, to balance out his style, and and that wasn't Alfred Blue. Yeah, I mean, we're just got to wait and see. I would love. To have could you a, imagine if last year if we had a running back that could actually run in a power scheme? Because half of our offensive line can be, can actually block decently in power, the other half could actually block decently in zone. Lamar Miller can only run through zone. Yeah. I just want another running back to do something. So if we can get one, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> um, all right. We can't talk about Game of Thrones because it looks like not everybody has seen it. We can't. Talk Seriously? About, yeah. There was crazy <laughs> outlandish stuff going on on, uh, on Twitter. Um, but we can talk about uh, your Rockets. I was rooting so hard yesterday watching that game. And I, I honestly don't even know what to say, to be honest with you. I mean, the refs were awful. Yeah, that seems to happen. Yeah, and then I love how uh, I love how Steve Kerr comes out today in his little freaking press conference and mocks freaking James Harden, dude. How old is that guy, dude? I hate I hate the Warriors. I hate them too. I I can't even. I would. Oh, I love football. I I I love football, but I would I would I would rather beat the Warriors than beat the Colts right now. Yeah, yeah. And football is definitely my first love. There's no there's no doubt about that. There's no argument. I can watch any football team. I can pretty much only watch the Rockets. In basketball, I'm just not that big of a basketball fan. And if the Rockets are bad, I just turn the TV off. So 
the past couple of years, I've gotten to watch more Rockets than I've had, you know, for for a stretch there beforehand. Yeah, I mean, but my, I just, I hate this rock. This, I hate this rock or this uh this Warriors team. I absolutely loathe them. Yeah. I'm pulling for the Rockets. I'm a Rockets fan for the rest of the year, and I need them to win. So I'm going to be pulling for them. Um, all right. Have you seen uh, Endgame yet? I have not. Okay. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. Uh, I've seen it it's twice. good? You've seen it twice? I saw it the next day. No kidding. And I'm going to go see it again tomorrow night. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, I take it it's pretty good. good. It's pretty freaking good. <laughs> All right. Pretty freaking. I'm good. trying to get, trying to talk the wife, and she hasn't watched Infinity War yet. Oh, because she she Robin. wants to go, but she needs she needs to get on it. Yeah, no, she has to see it before she goes. Um. All right, John. What else we got? Well, question: Did you cry? Uh, I almost cried. Twice. No kidding. I almost cried twice. One little tear came out on one scene, but that was it. We should have done a Game of Thrones podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I think we need to start doing that. It's hard enough for us to connect doing this now. We've been so busy. For the three episodes that are left, but dang. Yeah, that was, uh, I want to talk about it so bad, but I just can't. I can't. We have to wait. All right. I guess there's people on Discord that are saying they haven't seen it. Uh, I don't know if there is, but I've seen on Twitter a bunch of people that haven't seen it. And then I was at uh, dinner tonight and there were two people out of five that uh, didn't see it. No kidding. Yeah. Well, it just happened last night. Yeah, but it's HBO. It's on HBO. So you just download HBO Go and watch it wherever. Yeah, but... No joke. I mean... I, I had Robin take over driving so I could watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. It was you got to remember, I started reading the books in 2001. I have spent about 20 years with these characters. That's how so, I felt about uh, Endgame, so I totally understand. Yeah, same thing with Endgame. I get it. Yeah, that movie is great, bro. You got to go see it soon. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up Texans Unfiltered. You know where to find us. Search Texans Unfiltered on your favorite podcast platform. Go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. Um, you can join our Discord. Go to our website. All that good stuff. Make sure you guys leave reviews on iTunes, Spotify, all the places you listen, please. We need a ton of those. And tell a friend about us. Why don't friends know about who we are? I'm breaking. I'm a source here now. Okay, we're coming up in the world. I'm just kidding. Don't worry about that part. I just wanted to stroke my ego a little bit. Uh, All right, guys. Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine. It's our time to keep it 100. So we gonna go out here and show them how trill we are, baby. So you better get out the way because we coming for it. It's all for one and it's one for all. Let's go.